Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Tuesday, April 21st. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. I know that they're helping me. I know that they're helping Lawrence. And I know at least three other people that they're helping. So please, (laughs) your stories are important. Yeah, so email us or better yet, record a one to two minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. You can follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. Please share this show with your friends, your family your colleagues, the people you love, some of the people you hate, not all of them. We want these (laughs) stories to be heard, and we think they're relevant to a much broader audience than just, you know, film or live event production. Absolutely. Lawrence. Today today we're chatting with Scott Craig, who is an L.A.-based commercial producer, and he's the owner of a very well-known bar in Silver Lake called Akbar. Yes, staple of... Silver Lake Life. And Scott's a great guy. I've known him for many years. Very smart, very talented producer. And of course, it's interesting for him because his whole backup plan was <laughs> this bar. Of right. course, that's now shut down during the pandemic. So uh, it'll be an interesting chat. I'm very much looking forward to this too, because I believe he's been doing it longer than we have, of course. But yes. commercial production in LA during the time I started was, you know, in full swing in L.A. and in New York. I'm sure he's got some good stories, so I'm very excited Absolutely. about this. All right, Christian, it's Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Week, week 836. <laughs> it's daytime. Got it. Daytime. Uh, that's all I know. How are you feeling? I'm feeling okay today. I'm going to partake in a cocktail today good, for this show. Good. It is the producer's happy hour. Yes, and so in honor of Akbar, here we go. <laughs> Great. I'm actually going to have a pre-made cocktail called the Wandering Barman. And it's oh. a flavor called Swipe Right, which seems to be an old-fashioned made with bourbon oh. whiskey. So here we go. Ooh, I that know. That lovely. Yep. This is apropos because, you know, we've talked about this. Our original concept was Producers Happy Hour. We were going to be chatting about drinks and having interviews over drinks and talking about film production. But obviously that all changed Ooh. out the window. So we're bringing it back in a new way. Since Scott Craig's a bar owner, Akbar in Silver Lake, Los Angeles— Their staff has been laid off, obviously, furloughed, whatever you want to call it. So what they've been doing, the staff has been challenging each other on YouTube to present a cocktail, their favorite cocktail, and teach everyone how to make it. So they're little short videos. All of it is asking people to donate to the GoFundMe account to help that small business get by until we can get back to work. Right. Obviously, if you're not in L.A. and you don't know these people, it might not mean anything to you, but you might see a video where there's a, a cocktail that you like or a drink you like that inspires you. If you use it, that's great. Maybe put a buck or two bucks or five bucks in their GoFundMe account as a thank you. We're going to get some bartenders from New York to do the same. And we're yes. going to put it on our website on a page called Cocktails. I know. I'm so excited about this because my yeah. friend Claudia at Milo's Yard is doing a series of videos for us with cocktails that can be made from stuff you have on hand. Mm. Right. Yes. So um, an ingredient yeah, or two could be ingredient. Yeah. exactly mm-hmm. or <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> the way she does it. So we're going to have some of those old tried and true staples as well to offer you guys. I love this. I think it's a fun way to interact with the people that support us. 
uh, whether yeah. it just be emotionally, <laughs> right, <laughs> or community wise. <laughs> community but these wise, are the you right. know when we're, when we're done with the job, we go and we hang somewhere, and it's yeah. uh, we want to show them support. So here we go. Absolutely. But right. that said, I'm doing okay. Feels good today for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Feeling good. So how are you feeling good. today? I, I actually feel pretty good as well. I don't know what's changed. I mean, the news is still awful, but you know, I guess you can only feel. You can only sustain anxious. Sustain for so long. Exactly. And you just got to kind of just breathe a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the the news that we have in this country right now is conflicting, right? It's definitely at opposite ends of the spectrum right now of what we're getting. And so Mm -hmm. I think that the last four weeks has a lot, you know, I'm slowly adapting to reacting to what I think is important and filtering out the noise. Because, you know, even though I don't want to become complacent or also unshockable because things that are going on are fucking shocking. Yes. But I also want to just be able to try and have the appropriate amount of reaction to it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what today feels a little Mm -hmm. bit like. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. We're turning corners, audience. How about that? Fucking corner. Here it comes. Turned it. So you well, slept I, last night, it sounds like. I, I slept. I got some <laughs> sleep. And that was amazing. I was so tired. <laughs> I went to sleep early. You know, I don't know about you. I mean, I've been busier. I'm as busy. Okay, I'm not as busy as I used to be. But I'm pretty busy. Considering You're the busiest man have, I know. We don't have work. I'm doing this podcast and voiceover stuff. But uh, yeah, last night I was like, I had a lot to do. But it was like 930. And I was so tired. I was in bed by 1015. That's crazy. I know. I don't know. I know. That's very unusual for me. But I saw this amazing story that I want to share with you, Christian. This is my news tip for today. Mm. We'll try and make it quick because it's a lot of information. But there's all this comparison of the 1918 Spanish flu. Yes. Right? Yes. An interesting thing that I saw somebody posted was that there was an anti-mask league of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. An organization that was formed to protest the requirements for people to wear masks in San Francisco during the 1918 influenza pandemic. This is fascinating. The way it happened was the city's Board of Health enacted various Mm -hmm. measures, obviously, to cure. It's all so parallel to what we're going through, to (laughs) to curb the disease, banning gatherings, school closures, theaters, warning citizens to avoid crowds, the professionals that served people, barbers, hotel employees, bank dealers, pharmacists, store clerks, they all had to wear masks. Later that year, October 25th, every resident and visitor of San Francisco would be required to wear masks mm-hmm. in public. So, of course, initially, everyone did it. Almost everyone, four out of five people. Right. The Red Cross sold masks at points 80%. of entry. Yeah. yeah. They started to fine people for not wearing masks. But eventually, that mask ordinance was annulled later that year, March 21st. But then the flu increased again. Of course. It spread again. So that was their second wave. They put that mask ordinance back into effect on January 17th, 1919. And then people were sick of it. Right. And so there were a lot of complaints. And then people organized in San Francisco to create the Anti-Mask League. And members included physicians and citizens and civil libertarians. They, they had them back then, too. And, uh, <laughs> and at least one member of the Board of Supervisors. So about 5,000 people were coming to these meetings. They signed a petition. The debates were heated. And they wanted to repeal this ordinance. And they protested. They signed petitions. People questioned the efficiency of the mask. (laughs) And it's just all so parallel. This was a whole thing until 
January 27th is when they presented their petition to the Board Mm -hmm. of Supervisors. And the mask ordinance was lifted February 1st, but not because of the petition, not because of the protests, because the Board of Health said it was fine to do so. You know, um, the ability for humans to repeat history and not learn their lessons is just, again... It's maddening. It's just... It's just informed information. Yeah. That people choose not to believe. Alternative facts, right? Alternative facts. Uh, I was terrible at history in high school. Oh, I loved it. Really? Oh, yeah. Big history. I'm so jealous. No. Because now I feel it's such a deficit. I definitely loved it. It was just something that I was good at and I loved learning about. It is uncanny how parallel this is. is. Uncanny. I mean, yeah. it's not. I, I never really understood the saying, if you don't learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. Like, I just couldn't understand that. I'm like, that's insane. So the Spanish flu was 100 years ago. There's nobody around to remind us anymore that it was a horribly huge thing. Mm-hmm. I know we spoke briefly about the protests yesterday, and mm-hmm. it just feels like such a few amount of people with the loudest voices are the yeah. ones who get shit done. The thing that annoyed me... If you read into these things, those protests maybe only have about 100 to 200 people. Yeah. They're small. Yeah, they're tiny. But then when I watched some news right. program, the photos they showed, still shots, and they had a grid, one for each city. It looks... It looks much bigger than it... It looks it, massive than it is. Yeah. And shame on the media for doing that. Like, seriously. Not everything has to be this dramatic. And I do think that we're missing a lot of stuff happening in our government right now, a lot of important things that are happening because the coverage is wall to wall. It's it's like a dramatic death count or dramatic case count, Mm -hmm. right? Or the differences between the administration and, you know, governors. Like that's what the majority of the mainstream media, I should say, is characterizing everything that's going on right now. But we Mm -hmm. have, I mean, there's so much happening. (laughs) that we were missing quietly like epa has no more regulations anywhere (laughs) right and like a thousand new judges are appointed for life (laughs) (laughs) oh see but yes um yeah that's a very interesting read and i'm fascinated by the history of our perpetual need to repeat our mistakes yes it's insane it's insane i mean i do that's human nature yeah, and I, I love that I can have somewhat of a ability to learn from other people's mistakes. I know that I can see somebody do something and I'd be like, well, <laughs> I don't have to do that myself in order to understand that I shouldn't do it, right? Yes. And believe yeah. it or not, that is that is an ability. <laughs> and, yeah. and I've it used is. that a lot in my career. And, you know, I feel like the active amount of just active ignorance right now is insane it's maddening it's maddening so there's that and i also read i know you sent me over what sweden and norway oh yeah are doing for their i mean you know we should include that in the show yes we should include that too because i read that and it's very similar to you know guidelines uh, that smuggler have put out you know smugglers were way more detailed i don't know if anybody out there has had a chance to read them yet or not from craft service to queued up lines. Yeah. You know, yeah, six yeah. feet. And I just, and they even mention in the Sweden-Norway guidelines, having art department finish and then bringing in, you yeah, know, all crew. the same stuff. Yeah. And yeah. so 
the speculation is fantastic. It all gives us something to do. You know, we're going to scenario the shit out of what's going to happen. But in the end, until people are ready and we really get presented with a real situation, will we begin to, you know, rough in and see what works and what work? You can hypothesize all you want <laughs> and you can't rehearse it. So you show up no. on set and you got to see what works and what doesn't. And it have to be, go back to episode one, you got to be flexible. You have to be adaptive. <laughs> and communicate. <laughs> and communicate. Those were our first few episodes before this all. Oh, my God. Those were so, I mean, just thinking back about I, them. And I'm, I apologize. I haven't put them together yet, but Ooh. I will. I'll put them together. I'll get them over to Rob. Rob needs to work. publish them. Yes. Also, you know, I don't know if anyone listening has joined our Facebook group or our LinkedIn group, but I've started to post some of these articles in those groups. Oh, nice. So you can look for it on Facebook, obviously, producershappyhour.com. On LinkedIn, producershappyhour.com. So you don't have to go to the show notes, just join those groups. Then these posts will come up in your feed. You can see all these things that we're talking about. And I'm going to include the Norwegian production guidelines in today's show notes as well. Lawrence, we have this tab on our website called Take Action, right? Yes. Where we post all of this amazing stuff that you guys out there, if you're interested, can help or read more information on. Or if you have a question, please feel free to send it to us because we can do some research. Currently on here, we have, well, as Lawrence said earlier, it is April 21st. So we're going to have rent due in nine days rent, mortgage, whatever. And it's time. We have to get together and figure yeah. out what we're going to do. Same with please donate some blood and donate your laptops. All of that information will be on our Take Action page. Yes, as well as the Live Event Coalition's petition, the Save the Post Office petition, the IADA's Filmmaker's Guide to Applying for Coronavirus Relief. There's talk about refunding those programs. So you still should learn about how to do that and jump on it once the money's back. There's an economic impact survey for the live events industry. And then the letter from IOTSE Cares had a bunch of union and other resources as well that I put on that page as well. So lots of information, lots of links there. If you have anything that you want us to add to it, send it on in. Get on it. Yeah. All right. Should we get to our interview with mm -hmm. Scott Craig? Yes. Scott Craig is a freelance producer, mostly working in the commercial world. Graduated from UCLA in the mid-80s, he got his first job as a PA on a low-budget movie. He got to bring the donuts to set that morning, hold a boom for the sound guy, and he played a bad guy shooting a gun out of a van, all on the same day. From there, he became the in-house PA at a small, you know, production company called Pitka. Maybe you've heard of them. <laughs> He moved up the ladder, and by 1990, he was producing. He had the opportunity to see many eras of commercial production, shooting all over the world and all over every nook and cranny of Los Angeles. Oh, my Pitka days. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if that name doesn't bring up some old memories for some of you guys. Mm. In 1996, as a side project, he bought a dive bar with his then-partner and turned it into Akbar a neighborhood oasis. Over the years, he has continued freelance producing and also doing some EP work. As the bar started to thrive and do well, he took fewer jobs to ease into retirement. And now the pandemic. Yes. Let's take a listen. All right, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you could spend a little bit of time with us today. Me too. We'd love to check in with you first, see how you're doing, how are your loved ones. You're in L.A., right? Correct. I'm, mm -hmm. I live in Silver Lake. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I can't complain. My health 
is absolutely fine. My partner uh, who works for Universal Music Group has been working out of the house for the last four weeks. Mm-hmm. Really close wow. to me. I see him all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I, know, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, life is not bad in the hills of Silver Lake. We can right. get out mm-hmm. and walk the streets. We're not packed with each other on top of each other. Right. Doing everything I can to keep my health, keep myself grounded at home. You know, I could be a Syrian refugee. And thankfully, I'm not. Right, Right. exactly. So, you know, we read a little intro before you came on. uh, So we know already you have a a long, successful career as a commercial film producer over the years. But recently, with the success of your bar, you've been taking fewer and fewer jobs. So were you in the middle of anything when the pandemic hit? No, not at all. But I had just come back from a trip from the UK and Mm -hmm. Madrid. Oh, wow. So, and and that was, uh, I came back late February and Mm -hmm. I had been there for just under three weeks. And it was before the news really hit, especially in Spain. Uh, Then I get home and I, you know, was reading about it, what was happening and how Lunar New Year was, you know, Mm -hmm. locked everything down in Mm -hmm. China. And then I got back here and the proverbial shit hit the proverbial fan. <laughs> so, yeah. So you just missed it basically because <laughs> yeah, yeah. wasn't the the travel from Europe the second week in March? Like the I think so. Oh yeah. 9th or 10th? Yeah. So you just you just got yeah. home. Yeah. Mm, yeah, right. I did. So no, I wasn't working. I had a number of friends. I've been talking to them. I had a friend who did a shoot. His last shoot day was that Friday the 13th. Yeah. Up north, yeah. up in Solving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a, f- a a good friend who's based in Atlanta because of all the film work that's right. out there. He was supposed to shoot in Italy. That got pushed. Oh, we'll yeah. shoot it in London. And then everything you right. know, collapsed. No right. one's going nowhere. So you've seen a lot in commercial production, right? Except, especially because I saw Pitka. <laughs> I think yeah, we all had a rite of passage first... there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I had no idea who they were. Oh. I'm like, yeah, sure, commercial. I'm sure they told you. And then, yo, well, I got <laughs> you knew after a one. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but I, have a, you know, walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. you walk past a bunch of these. Awards. What's that lion? What's that award mean? You know, <laughs> right? Tons well, of them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, right. are there any so. experiences that you went through during the, like, you know, those? I think every generation feels like the generation before them were the glory days. You know, you talk about <laughs> music videos and coke bowls and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, are there any experiences you went through though during those years that can help folks relate to what's happening now? SAG strike, nine eleven. Rider strike. Yeah, I mean, in regards to the SAG strike or the the rider strike or nine eleven, mm-hmm. there was a we can pick ourselves up. How right. soon we do it? How we you know how we do it? We'll take a little bit of time, but this is a whole nother world. This is yeah. this is this, this is this that. is something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it it kind of is like I heard a previous podcast you had done about. Don't panic right. on the set. Mm. It, it doesn't look good. It doesn't help. No. You know, you just, what you do is you gather your DP, your AD, and your director in a corner and say, how are right. we going to do this? Mm-hmm. And how what are we going to fix this? And let's do it calmly. <laughs> yeah. And no one raise their voices, please. 
because the agency is 20 feet away and they're looking (laughs) nervous over at us. (laughs) Exactly. So there's a little bit of that, but I mean, those uh, 9-11, for instance, who was it, the gentleman you had on from BBDO uh, who started his own? Andy, yeah. yeah. Andy Wilcox. Yeah, he was talking about, what, three weeks after 9-11? Yeah. All of a sudden, they were working. And, you know, Lots and lots of stuff, and of course, the, the it was up to the agency to decide, or the clients to decide what the tonality was going to be. Is loss right. of irony gone? I I was I was at the time I was it, sitting in for someone as an executive producer when nine eleven happened. You know, woke up to NPR and heard the odd sound of the radio saying this doesn't sound right. like NPR. Turned on mm-hmm. the, and then directly went to work and checked in on two jobs that were being cut being edited in new york and they both got completely like no we can't show that one involved Mm -hmm. someone imitating a flight attendant doing all the motions of you know (laughs) tray table up and it's like that was for city cards and like no we're not showing that and another one was a sony playstation job that had huge crates dropping from the sky those were both like we're not showing them right yeah i know yeah. yeah so, mean, you know, but we sort of, we just sat around, kind mm-hmm. of waited like, okay, who's going to, and, and it did pick up. This pickup is going to be learning yeah. small steps Slow. every bit of the way. Mm-hmm. Slowly, yeah. safely. You know, our friend, you probably know Andrew Cologne at Smuggler sent out a list of new best practices for film production as the restrictions mm-hmm. start to loosen up and lighten up. And it's a very long list and it, it's a lot. I yep. mean, it all makes sense. It's nothing outrageous or groundbreaking, but it's like, this is going to be an, added, uh, an interesting yeah, challenge. It's definitely added thoughts and added manpower and added time, actually, to all time. the shoot. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing is, uh, cons- you know, compared to when I started, when the PA running around picking up three quarter inch tapes and all that <laughs> stuff, at least we've got these <laughs> modern technologies accessible. Like, look at us yeah. doing this. It's like something out of 2001, yeah. a movie, yeah, exactly. not 19 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're living the future from uh, 19 from the years past. You know, it's what's going to happen because I was talking to an owner of a production company and he just, yeah, they're getting calls for these sort of oh, yeah. odd things that directors are doing at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to be saturated with. Yes things shot on in people's homes or you know get ready for commercials that just have gorgeous beautiful vistas in no yeah. talent yeah. and you know <laughs> and, or voiceover yeah and that's exactly it. Yeah. yeah have you yeah. seen that little the pouring brothers had sent me a a two minute or i think maybe four minute clip where they put all the heartfelt new commercials together mm-hmm Yep. Yes. Yeah, with yes, the piano and all that. And yeah, like, they oh. start with the piano and the, the wording's all the same. Exactly. And I think we kind of saw all of that come out of 9-11. Yes. So it was almost like those scripts were already written yep. and we knew yep. how to go back to them immediately. I think that the tolerance level 20 years later of immediate, everything's immediate for us. And so it only took about a week for us to get really tired of those ads. Mm-hmm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And they're, they're going to be yeah. shifting again really quickly. To be honest. And how many ads are we going to see, you know, screenshots of Zoom <sighs> calls or FaceTime exactly. and, and all that I mean, we're living stuff, it right so. now. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, and there, but there were other changes that we'd seen along the way, like, mm-hmm. you know, 
the recession hitting in. And before yeah. you know it, mm-hmm. clients were expecting a lot more product for a lot less money. We were just saying that. You know? Yeah. This yeah. year, I mean, I what, mean, what they're going to be able to get for their 200000 before COVID was a lot more content than what they're going to get afterwards, for sure. And that's yeah, going to begin yeah. with client management, in my opinion. Yeah. And then some young hotshot writer is going to write a spot. And it's like, but you've got a helicopter in it. How are we going to <laughs> right. get that? Yeah. It's only yeah. helicopter. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we want to chat about your bar situation because you're in a unique position, you know, working in film production and on the sidelines having this bar as kind of your exit strategy out of the industry and and you're going to be all set. And of course, now the bar mm-hmm. is kind of on pause as well. But before we get to that, and I don't know how interested you are in what production is going to look like, but do you see a way out of this? And I don't even know if out of it's the right word, but we're always kind of fantasizing, you know, three months down the road, six months down the road and until there's some sort of vaccine. What is the way forward for at least commercial film production in your eyes? seeing what you've seen over the years. I think it's just going to scale down even more. Mm -hmm. It's going to scale down a lot more. And what's going to happen is I think there'll be the rise of the non-union entities. And, and I think it's starting to happen um, in the, Mm -hmm. and the whole concept of being paid quite nicely is, is going to start falling off. I mean, even before this happened, I knew people who were taking bites in their rates just to get something yeah. mm-hmm. in the production side. My last job that was going to be, or that I was holding for trying to get was this big, long shoot. And I said, I'll lower my rate, you know, project to rates. Get me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's, yeah, yeah. A lot of talk of project rates. Like you just take it on like a director does now. Right. And even, you know, the directors aren't making those boatloads of bucks not. back that you saw. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just going to, it really is going to be an, an economic shift, both in perhaps mm. the content and then the necessity of, again, how many people can be on on set. But what's going to happen too, we had so much exporting business. We had so, so much runaway production that someone's going to say, well, Stockholm is open now, right. full board. Mm-hmm. And exactly. let's go there. And um, But then there's many times you have clients and they usually were the most scared about shooting right. somewhere, Mexico city, Rio. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you get us yeah, some yeah. security detail and a, you know, right. a bulletproof van <laughs> for Mexico city. But now, city. But like now a, we can just, you know, teleproduction like we're doing our correct. healthcare. Correct. So, yeah. Well, somebody had said at one point, like let the director, I think again, it was Andy, but like, Oh, the director goes off and shoots it without the agency or client there. And I'm like, Whoa, I wish. <laughs> We've been just, trying to do that for years. I, <laughs> I know. That for 20 years. Years. Just, <laughs> right. Just putting them outside on the front yard, I felt was, you know, Ooh, was I know. good <laughs> with a monitor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone's talking about like reinventing and, and, you know, fantasizing new futures for a lot of industries. Is there something that you if there was some sort of way forward that was attractive, some aspect of the industry you would like to see change coming yeah. out of this, something that we could maybe adjust and rethink that wasn't working. I think collaborations between every single union that mm-hmm. is involved, SAG with the DGA, with Teamsters, everybody, AFL, I think they need to 
coordinate better so that things can be done effectively and not leave people out. Right. Mm. I think because I understand what mm-hmm. the DGA just sent out to the yes. AICP, a sort of new set of guidelines without, mm-hmm. con- yeah, without conferring with anybody, mm-hmm. you know, yep. and there's like, there's more people on a set than an AD and a director. <sighs> Thank God. <laughs> but I mean. there, there just has to be much more cooperation, especially if we want to get the work and the work to stay in the right. United States. Because, you know, my last few years have been always outside of L.A., outside of the country. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love a job with a passport, but I always oh, kind of felt bad I for know. that script supervisor or... I, wardrobe yeah. stylist and I was leaving back home. I know. And and then they reach out like, where are you? Why aren't you hiring me? <laughs> right. I don't work I don't work in LA anymore. Apparently. Well, I, I like don't the, speak your language anymore. Exactly. I feel <laughs> like the script supervisor was the first to go. And then the boom operator. Yes. yes. And then the yeah. camera oh. loader. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yes. yeah, I mean I agree with that. It's gonna be run and gun. And 10 to 15 person crew and available daylight and just until we get into the swing of things, you know, set builds and shit. Yeah, but you guys had said in an early, another episode about maybe what happens. The art department comes yeah. on stage, builds mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. then the lighting department comes. Then the stage is going to have to understand that they're not charging those rates exactly. that they used to. Well, I filmed on a stage March 7th, I believe, and we basically paid for our own deep cleaning crew to come in because the stage wouldn't do it. I think there's going to be a lot of businesses that have to do a lot of things. There's a ton of great stages for low money in L.A., but not all of them are the upkeep is. (laughs) (laughs) Does everything need to be sanitary now? There's just all kinds of shit. That's I mean, like it, it affects our entire, you know, one of the guidelines that Smuggler put out was like, instead of serving yourself, you get handed your plate again. So you remember when we all lined up at the truck, you know, and you get handed like a plate and you're just like, great. And you can't, takes forever. Scooping your food onto your plate. takes forever. You can't scoop your food onto your plate anymore. And craft service will be packaged foods, which is the healthiest thing in the world, as we all know. (laughs) So a lot of changes. Bring your, bring your own packages. No craft service. It's Now, now we're talking. Revolutionary. (laughs) It's crazy. So, all right, I'm going to change it. Like, let's talk about your bar, (laughs) Akbar, which I've not been to yet, but Lawrence speaks about all the time. So, um, I promise the next time in LA, I'm going to. I'm dragging you there. I bought it in '96. I bought an existing bar that was just Mm -hmm. this dive. And uh, at the time. Also in Silver Lake? Yeah, okay. it's uh, mm-hmm. on the corner of Sunset and Fountain. It's right on Jesus. Sunset Boulevard at the beginning of Silver Lake. And then uh, I bought it with my partner at the time, plus a video assist guy that I would work with all the time. And oh, really? uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we always would stand around talk. You know how as a producer, you're usually near yeah. the video assist in the sound department. Yeah. You know, you just chat <laughs> yeah. and we became friends. His wife was my production manager for a long time nice. and hmm. this dive bar came up for sale and I bought it just because I didn't want it to turn into some sort of velvet rope bar that I couldn't go to right and it, so hmm. I bought it not because I wanted another business or some sort of retirement thing it was more like I want somewhere to go and yes. it just kind of got better and more and more popular and mm-hmm. uh, it was like the last four years the numbers we just kept doing better and better to the point where this could be my retirement package. 
And then that all came mm-hmm. to an abrupt end on Sunday the 15th mm-hmm. when we were standing by waiting for Garcetti to say what's closing. And so we closed Akbar right away. We've been doing a spring cleaning in there ever since. Mm-hmm. The longest spring cleaning ever. Exactly. Once or twice a week and do something, find right. something to get mm-hmm. it ready. So fortunately, my partner and I, now there's only two of us, we were in the position 11 years ago to buy the building we're in. Oh, fuck. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting him. <laughs> so, Go on. So it was, it, was all, it was all working out quite nicely, too, because upstairs above the bar are six offices, mm-hmm. and then right next door to the bar is a restaurant, one of my favorite restaurants. It was opened by friends of ours, and it's a great restaurant. They were, well, they will be having, hopefully, their 20th anniversary this summer. Oh, wow. Lawrence, right. you know the kitchen, of course. It's a yes, great, the kitchen. It's a great little. Mm-hmm. It's been there for twenty years. It's just like, just like the bar. It's the neighborhood restaurant or a neighborhood yeah. restaurant. They, of course, are struggling. So we are basically pooling what we can to pay our mortgage and delay the kitchen's rent because we don't want them oh, going wow, anywhere. Nice. Yeah, we don't want them going yeah. anywhere, and we we don't want to lose that mom and pop neighborhood environment that makes up the restaurant and the bar. So we're just sitting with, uh, you know, waiting. I applied for the PPP on the very first day. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we were able to get a portal via Bank of America, which is our uh, bank. Mm -hmm. And so I actually even have a loan officer located out in the desert who I have his phone number and I just check in and say, how are we looking? How are we looking? That's what we're just waiting for. We gave them all the necessary paperwork and because we were able to get in right away. And so we're just, I'm just kind of wait and see. But, you know, like I said, I I feel like I'm in an okay position. I'm not going to sell the farm and I don't have to. Okay. So I've always been good with money. That's why I was a producer. (laughs) Figures. Exactly. Made lots of money for other production companies. Exactly. And and Uh, was proud to do it. Of course. You know, I would take, you know, see some extra bucks in the 114 line and hold that for the art department (laughs) and, you know, or a second camera, all that stuff. And and the bar itself was efficient and and did well. We have a payroll or did have a payroll of uh, 14 people. Wow. And it was on Monday morning, I said, file for unemployment, gave them a bit of severance pay as a sort of like, well, I don't know when we'll see you back. Here's what I've got left in my bank account from the bar and gave some some funds out. But if we do get the PPP, I have to hire them back. And if the bar opens, how does the bar open? I think what's going to happen, of course, they'll be more strict about capacities and stuff like that. Right. But, you know, L.A. is so huge. You don't have cops walking past. They, we've been, I don't know, you know how to police We've that. always had a full, full bar. Right. They can't police that. But what's going to happen, I think people will take it upon themselves if they look into the bar mm-hmm. and say, oh, it's too crowded for me. I don't, yeah. don't want to go in there. Yeah. And, you know, it will probably have face masks on all the mm-hmm. servers, you know, bartenders, busboys. And, I mean, before this happened, before we closed, we had Lysol on the counters right. and towels for people mm-hmm. to use and things like that and gloves if people wanted to clean the table before they sat down, after right. they sat down, all that kind of stuff. And it was sweet. People were cooperating yeah. because that's what you got to do. How many days before the shutdown did you have that stuff available? I would say I it was a, probably the first week of March, early March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I yeah. took uh, three flights that week and uh, was wiping everything down. I think people are starting way ahead of any of the shutdowns. Yeah, people who are paying I, I attention re- anyway. Yeah, I remember going to a movie and oh, I saw a woman mm-hmm. wipe down a seat. And at first I thought, oh, brother. And then I thought, I don't know her life and I should let that go. Yeah. And now it's like perfectly fine I behavior. Know. It's funny how quickly all of our behaviors changed and the, our mm-hmm. thinking of it changed. And, you know, I used to work for a Japanese production company. And anytime anybody was sick, masks, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's their that's their culture. Right. And now it's like, <laughs> I, I'm wearing exactly I'm putting mine on after Embracing this. After it, this exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Our show is called Producers Happy Hour because we started recording episodes before the pandemic hit. And it was meant to be. Me and Christian chatting over drinks, mm. talking about drinks, and interviewing people like yourself, just about what it means to be a good right. producer. Ah, oh, the days. Um, ah, the days. Remember that? Yeah. So, I've, I've kept the um, tradition since I'm in New York of drinking still. Yes. <laughs> but, Three hours ahead of you guys. I'm so, in the future, man. So one thing Christian and I wanted to do, and I talked to you about this, Scott, and I know your team is doing this. There is on YouTube the Akbar Challenge where each of your staff are challenging each other to make a cocktail or do a video about something and kind of keeping activity going and the Akbar name mm-hmm. out there. And all of it is pointing people to a GoFundMe account to help give support to all the staff that is obviously not able to work right now. So we want to feature some of those videos on our website yes. so we can still keep this producer's happy hour theme alive. People can watch some videos, see how to make some cocktails, and hopefully if they enjoy it, they can contribute to the GoFundMe for the, the staff there at Act. That'd be lovely. Absolutely lovely. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah. Christian, you've reached out to some of yeah. your bartender friends in New York yeah. as well. So uh, we might have a page of videos for everybody to to watch. And if they can contribute, please contribute to the staff of these great bars because, you know, the dive bar is such an oh. important piece of a fabric of a neighborhood. And Akbar, especially here in Silver yes. Lake, I've been going for 20 years, <laughs> maybe, maybe more. Um, so, you know, we want to make sure that People like you who put a bar together like that is giving something to the community and to the neighborhood. Well, that's sweet. So that's it, awfully sweet. Now it's our time to give back to those people. Yep. So that's that's the least right. we can do is just sweet. spread the word and hopefully some people will contribute. Yeah. Well, you guys are doing such great work. You know, I've been listening to all these episodes prior to this morning and just mm-hmm. listening to the stories you're telling and being told and seeing so many productive people. Considering they're not doing their job and they're, I know, was it's a that, lot of pressure, but that, yes, <laughs> yes, I know that sound mixer. I forget her name. I think she left a voicemail from last week oh, on Betsy New York Bay Sound. Oh. Yes, Betsy, yeah, she was going through a list, and I thought, you know, and then I'm helping out the orphanage, and then I've got um, working on that cure for cancer. She's fantastic. She, I mean, it's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I'm, you know, I'm standing there trying to. I'm on a wait list to work at the food bank. You know, I volunteered oh, right. to work in the chain book, yeah, and they're just—it's a wait list. So there's uh-huh. some positive energy out there yeah. that we should all sort of feed off of, and not the negative energy that's coming from. Never mind, I won't say. Yeah. Where it's well, I think um, <laughs> I think we're all sharing. Well, ninety percent of us are sharing in the responsibility of what community means, and having exactly. bars, restaurants, and those things in our neighborhood that are around. Like it's our responsibility too, if we want to go back to some sort of you know what we used to do. It may not be the way we used to do it, but we still we miss those things, and so it's important to share. Yeah. You never realized how much you loved normal. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I yeah. mean, how much we, uh, yeah, it was such a, 
a word <laughs> before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now it's a word. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so once this is all over, okay, go with me on this. So what do you most like miss and look forward to getting back to? Or what are you looking forward to doing once things maybe hit what we call the new normal? Well, the first obvious selfish thing would be to have a cold beer at Akbar at ha- at happy hour and <laughs> see know. those people that, you know, there's a lot of people that come in there. I only see them there, but yeah. they, you know, they all have interesting lives and there's, there's yeah. lots of conversation and people working and stuff to discuss. So that, you know, like, yes, the regulars and like a true pub, yeah. people just see mm-hmm. each other and have conversations. I want to go to an afternoon movie by myself mm. that I used to do. <laughs> Just go sit there and get my big popcorn and Diet Coke and enjoy a movie by myself in the dark. Gosh, it just, that list goes on, you right. know, a museum, you know, how many, or in a live music show. But not a big oh, yeah. one. <laughs> not, a, not a music festival. <laughs> no, no, no. no. On the other hand, it's just going to be like waking up on a gorgeous, beautiful day and start, you know, whistling and singing. If, if when this all goes away, and I think we'll take better appreciation for the simpler things in life. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Absolutely. And sharing your thoughts. Oh, I love doing these interviews. I do they too. Just, they make I really me do. so happy afterwards. I like, I know that I wake up sometimes and I'm just like, uh, but then we come and we do them and they're just so amazing. Everybody's uh, so great. And I really mean what I say, you know, it's one of the things that kind of weighs on me the most through the situation is the small businesses yeah. that make up the fabric of our little mm-hmm. neighborhoods that we love so mm-hmm. much. What's the future look like for them? How are they going to survive? How long can they survive until that well, happens? So, so it's yes. that human contact. I really do. And I think that is, we've been asking this question from people, what do you miss right. most? And I think the, those are the things, seeing a movie like on a Tuesday oh. afternoon because we're freelancers, exactly. we can do that. Having a, a draft Coors beer, Light. Coors Light for you, I'll take an IPA <laughs> at a dark dive, oh, bar, dive bar and just chatting oh, with friends. And then my third is a massage, but, you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> pinball. I, I miss, I miss that a lot. Definitely but, miss okay, pinball, so, for sure. Not to yeah, get uh, super exactly. sad, but it, it's a machine that you touch. <laughs> and, you know, like, but yeah, I can see us wiping it down in the future, but please let me at it. So yeah. anyway. All right. So we're going to make a new page on our website, Christian. What should it be called? Cocktails. Cocktails. So we're going to make a new page on <laughs> yes. our website called Cocktails. I'm going to feature the Akbar Challenge videos on there and a link to their GoFundMe page. And Christian, you're drumming up some videos over there too. My friend Claudia and her husband David, they own Milo's Yard, which is where my pinball team is. That's our home base. Claudia has thrown together a couple of really exciting videos for us. So I will have those up and she'll probably be doing that weekly for us. She's going to specialize in the ingredients that you have at home. What can you make? Nothing too exotic. Nice. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, nothing too fancy. Exactly. Yeah. You have you have this at home already. So look for our cocktails it's page. Cocktails. And if you can, support these people who give us a lot of entertainment and a lot of life in our little neighborhoods. I can't picture my neighborhood without them. No. And I don't want to. Don't want to. All right, Christian. That's, that's our, our show. show. The show is edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our amazing yet unused music was composed by Kyle Puccia.
Thanks, everybody, for listening. We are back tomorrow. We'll be interviewing Ari Kushner, who is the founder of Missing Pieces. Really big production company. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, and still, please stay home. Don't forget to wash your hands. Stop touching your face. You know who you are. And if you do leave the house on an essential errand, please wear a mask. Be sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails to Producers Happy Hour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people get a hold of you? LawrenceTLewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how about you? People can get me at sisterchristianproduces.com. All right. Until tomorrow. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye.